feeling a little weird this week, Craig. Episode 92, overall Cool Button Hockey Podcast. Feeling a little weird, so I'll get right to what I think is kind of like topic one. Manager and coach. Like, what's going on in Vancouver, right? Is it already an unmitigated disaster season? And if I'm Bruce, do I phone up Jim and say, where's the guillotine? I'll put my head there. Like, what Jim... I thought it was Patrick Alvin, the general manager. Jim comes out and speaks again. Bruce says, I got enough stories to write a book that I'll never write. It's just a soap opera. It's, forget about being fun. It feels dysfunctional here, Mr. Button. What what should the manager-coach relationship be like? Because it's it's not supposed to be like this. So, odd, whatever you want to call it. But why don't we rewind Let's just go back a little bit in time. So the, the Vancouver Canucks started off last season and they made a coaching change. At that point in time, what was the level of optimism and hope with the with the Vancouver fan base at that point in time before well, Bruce they, came in? They thought it was over. They thought the season was over. It was at the bottom. It was as low as low could be, wasn't it? Right. And so what does Bruce do? Bruce comes in there and – he, he 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 establishes uh, a, a team that can play a certain way. He he renews hope and optimism in the marketplace. That's exactly what Bruce did. Like, there was no optimism or hope in the Vancouver marketplace. Bruce came in and reestablished that. Lots of energy with the way they played. You know, there was a point in time, oh, what's wrong with Elias Pettersson or this guy, that guy? Bruce came in and in 57 games did magnificent work. So that's number one. Jim Rutherford, Patrick Alvine, and they got hired after Bruce. But we know the facts that happened at the, after those 57 games. So why don't we go back to the to the odd dance? And it wasn't Dancing with the Stars and Jim Rutherford. It was Jim Rutherford that went through this odd dance with Bruce Boudreaux. Oh, is he going to stay? Is he not going to stay? And he said, I said it publicly. Bruce Boudreaux said, said I'm hitting the road, Jack. I'm out of here. I came in there. I did everything you want. So Jim Rutherford established in the in the spring that Bruce really wasn't his coach. He, in fact, he established it pretty clearly. And Bruce decided, I, I like it here. I'm going to come back, knowing that Jim didn't want him. And you know what? Jim has now gone down the same path. Here's what I say. You don't like the coach. You don't want the coach. Then move on. Let Bruce get to another place. You get to the place you want to be and carry on from there. Because what Jim Rutherford is doing right now is negative, and it's not right. It's no way to treat Bruce Boudreaux. It's no, no way a, a functional uh, manager-coach relationship can work. I'm not here to sit down and say that Bruce is right and Jim is wrong or anything. It's not, it's, it's not what you want. So why are you going to continue on, and then you're going to go start going public talking about Bruce? I mean, Bruce's comment, just I've been in the game for 47 years. It's just another story in the book I'm never going to write, right? I mean, it's a pretty big indictment that Bruce made. So there's only one way for this to go, and that's for Jim to make the change because Patrick Alvin's not making the change. It's Jim Rutherford. Let's be clear here who's running the shop in Vancouver. And that, to me, is a sign of many – is dysfunctionality a word? Like, to me – 
in, in the old days, and I like this because I was taught this by hockey people in the past. In the old days, you know, if you go to a rink and somebody says, who's in charge here? Who's responsible? You could at least point to Bruce Boudreaux or sorry, Bruce Hood or Kerry Fraser and, and they were in charge. We went to the two referee system. We It's been since 99 and that's fine. But those two are in charge. And when you say, I'd like to borrow the car and your dad says, ask your mother. Like, who's really in charge of it? Is it really mom? Is she, is she is she in charge? And if we always know it's really, really mom, then sometimes we know we can, you know, we can get the an ice cream or an extra five bucks from dad. In Vancouver, isn't the GM supposed to be in charge? Like, who's really in charge, right? In Montreal, it looks less dysfunctional because Jeff Gordon's there and it feels like Ken Hughes is in charge. I'm not sure, but this is kind of weird. There's a lot of people. In Vancouver, Jim Rutherford's in charge. Isn't the general manager supposed to be in charge? You know, I, I, I don't understand it. And if it continues to go like this, what we're seeing anyway, what does it say to the players about Patrick Alvin? What does it say? Like if you're in Vancouver there, say you're Bo Horvat and you say, this is dysfunctional. I know I'm job one. I'm going to hit the open market. It's just, it's just not right. And Craig, if you're the manager and you've been the manager, can you have someone over your shoulder? You know what I mean? Imagine going to work and one of your bosses is retired, but they're always hanging around and people go to them for advice. And you say, I'm the new boss. I'm getting no respect around here. Like this whole thing is a mess. And I think I have to blame the person. Would the Illiches have run it this way? Would the Illiches have run it this way? So I have to go above and say ownership here. Do we blame ownership for this dysfunctional? It's dysfunctional. Forget about Thatcher Demko. Like he's the worst goalie in the league right now. Like Bruce is going to him. Thatcher, last year you were great this year. I said on the show yesterday. Demko needs this one. He's got to steal this for Vancouver. You know what the score was by the time we sat down and ate some popcorn? It was already 3-0. Oh, my goodness. It's it's just a dysfunctional circus. It's a circus right now, Craig. So you talk about the dysfunction, and and you're right. And and it permeates through different parts of the organization. I have no problem, however you want to define GM, president of hockey operations, right? And whatever you want to do and however you want to do it, it's clear. The actions speak very loudly. I don't care what anybody says. Jim's in charge. Okay. That, that, that's clear. Okay. So that's fine. I have no problem with that. And and that's how you want to – I mean, you talk about Jeff and, and Kent in Montreal. Kent is the one that speaks. Kent is the one that's in charge. That doesn't mean that Kent doesn't have to, you know, work uh, under, under the, under the uh, uh, direction of Jeff Gordon. It doesn't mean that, but but what Jeff said, this is how we're going to operate here. Kent is the front guy. Kent's the one that's going to do those things. So you can have it whatever way you want, but don't try to portray it as something that it isn't. And Jim is in charge. That's number one. Number two, you talk about dysfunction. The, Serge Savard told me this many years ago. He said, the players always know, and they always know first. Don't ever think they don't know what's going on. Bo Horvat. Jim Rutherford's comments about Bo Horvat as captain. I'm Bo Horvat. I'm just telling you. It's the same thing I said about. Uh, it's the same thing I said about uh, uh, Bruce Boudreau. I'm Bo Horvat. Do whatever you want in terms of trade me. I'm not signing here. I'm out of here at the end of the year. I'm leaving to different places. This is how it's going to run. I'm not going to be part of it. To your third question, who hired Jim Rutherford? Of course, it always starts at the top. My dear, dear friend, Gary Joyce, always said, 
Start at the top and evaluate the evaluators. So I always go to the top. The ownership did this. So they got to ask themselves, is this what we want? Is this our idea of what we want? And if you want dysfunction, then you answer yes. I don't think they want dysfunction, but that's what they got right now. Yeah, there's different ways to lose. So that's one group of losers right now. Another one's in St. Louis. And I love what you know Doug Armstrong said. Basically, he's not going anywhere, and Craig Bruby's not going anywhere. But he put the team together. He put the team together that won the cup, and you know he put a team together that was different. You know, without Petrangelo, and too bad what happened to Jay Bolmeister. And Jay, Jay's just a great get in the way defenseman when he, he was just. It's just perfect, you know, perfect for the Blues, perfect for Team Canada. It all came together, but it's not coming together this year. And they got two big pending UFAs. When would you, because Doug's not going to tell us, pull the shoot and say, it's not, you can't hit the reset. You can't go, where's the back of my computer? I'm pl- I played Pac-Man at work. We have Pac-Man at work now. I was playing Pac-Man yesterday. I, I got eaten early. I just hit reset, Craig. And I started again because I I missed those 80s games. Well, Doug Armstrong can't hit reset. He can't go back and get David Perron. Hi, Steve. Made a mistake. I want David Perron back. I think he's a missing link. I should have signed him and traded Tarasenko. Now you got two UFAs. What do you do with Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly? It's an underachieving Ryan O'Reilly, and we like him. We know he's not finished. How far do you go before you say, you know what? I'm hitting reset on this season. Eight straight regulation. Craig, they're not 0-4 and 4. That's different. 0-4-4? That's okay. We can get out of that. 0-8? I'd like to go back in history. Well, I know the original six at least went 0-10 one year and they won the cup, but six teams. I wonder in a modern era if 0-8 teams have ever made the playoffs. Like that would be an interesting stat, Mr. Button. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't have the answer to that. Here's what I would say, and I, I, I will say this first about Doug. Doug's a realist. Doug, you know, in, a, in, a, in his commentary, he, he was very straightforward. He goes, I put the team together. It's not about hoping and, and, and relying on hope. It's about winning, and we're not winning. And I can believe all I want, but the bottom line is you got to evaluate where we're at. He, he talked about what words he didn't want to use because you don't want to do that. That's number one. He is a realist. Uh, you know, Doug is not going to stand there and hit himself. He, he just, he, that isn't in his, in his uh, toolbox. Number two, think back to this time in 2018. <laughs> the Blues weren't exactly rolling along. <laughs> and the, the calendar turned to 2019. And, you know, the Blues found themselves not in a very good place. But then they were in Philadelphia, and Gloria came on during, <laughs> during a little team session. And you know what? And Jordan Bennington arrived on the scene, and all of a sudden, you know, good players, and the team really came together and route to the Stanley Cup. Now, I've given you two very different uh, uh, extremes here. Doug's not going to rely just on that as a, as a rationale for not doing anything and believing. He's also not going to be rash, right? But he, he, he's left with some really significant decisions because he went and he put a stake in the ground on Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo as the next wave of players. I, I think that Doug is going to be patient. I think that Doug is going to, you know, really get in there and work with the coaches and understand, hey, what do we got to do better, 
you know, right now. And and then he's going to work on what he can do better to, to strengthen the team, whether that be immediately or whether he comes to the conclusion that it's time to move into a different direction. But what, how, how long Expiring is that? Though? contracts. How long is that, though? I don't know, Steve. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's early November. Okay. In, in January of 2019, you know, they were they were at the bottom of the league but that that's so a one off that's I, like saying i won the lottery they like they're not winning two lotteries i agree with you I, I agree with you so the the question is is where do you think you can achieve and what do you think you can achieve and i think that that's where so Doug may say we're a playoff team but so what we're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs it's kind of like what Daryl Sutter said last year about uh, the 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 first uh, the second wild card team, he said, "Good luck being the second wild card team. You're going to be done in eight days playing Colorado." <laughs> and he was right, <laughs> right? So you know, do you want to like? I mean, do you want to go out like that? And I think that Doug's very realistic. Listen, do I think that Tarasenko at seven point five million and and the contract that Ryan O'Reilly has coming back to to St. Louis is, is something that's going to be in in that? No, not at all. I think Doug has two players there. And given that he said Robert Thomas and Kyra are my guys, both of them are not going to be there. And now you expiring contracts. There's going to be a lot of interest. Doug can look at how we can retool his team. And I would say this, if it's me looking from the outside in and looking at that team, I'm starting to retool. I don't have to rebuild. And I might be able to retool starting. I know the salary cap comes into play and everything, but I can maybe make the playoffs and still make those moves. I'm not hanging on. I'm not hanging on. I'm not hanging on. That's where I'm at. That's how I would approach it. President Ryan O'Reilly then available at the deadline, right? Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's a game changer. I mean, Vladimir Tarasenko. Oh, well, Horvat available. Ryan O'Reilly available. Oh, yes. baby. Uh, Patrick Tate's available. Yes. Oh, baby. <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden, we've got five jewels uh, on this uh, Stanley Cup crown that's in play, which would be very, very exciting. And then there's something to be said about where the deadline is. And then you think, you know, we play most of the year with your regular team. And I've been a child of the trade deadline. I mean, we could argue what we did back in 98 and 99 at the score and everything else. I'm not saying get rid of the trade deadline. Right? I just wonder if it's too late that you play the whole year and then with 20% of the season left, you can go and get a Horvat or Ryan O'Reilly. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how you feel about it. I know it's November and people are like trade deadline. What, what are you talking about? There's just something about you. You, you kind of March, you know, for 80% of the season and then can turn around and, and get a guy. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if the magic number 60% of the season, I, I don't know if it's 50, you'd get less teams just pulling the shoot down the stretch because they think they're in it longer. I think it's just an interesting philosophical discussion. What would be best for the league for the trade deadline? You know what I mean? If you're, if you're keeping most of your team and you look over and went, they just acquired this guy, that guy, and that guy. Oh my goodness. So uh, I don't know if I have the answer. Sometimes it just, even though I'm hosting it and on it, I wonder if it's just a little too late for my, I, I know. I'm not taking no, I'm, it works. It works just fine. First 80% of, all, of the season, it, 80% of the season. Yeah, it does. It, well, well, listen, I have no problem with it. Number one, you know what? It, 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 it gives you every, every team an opportunity to understand where they're at, at, at and, and, and have more clarity for, for how they're going to proceed forward. 
And, you know, some, so, as much as we'd like that to be in January or 50% of the season, you're not going to get movement then at, at that point in time because of, of how tight the league is and, and parity. Now, maybe in the Eastern Conference last year, you know, we you could pretty much say these eight teams are in. It became clear. That's a that's rare in the NHL. You know, teams want to give themselves a chance to – we talk about competing for the Stanley Cup. You know, there used to be a time when there could be like as, as few as 10 games left in a season when the trade deadline – you know, they they made it early. They made it earlier not when it used to be a little bit later. And, and I think that's a step in the right direction. I have zero problems with where the trade deadline is because it also gives teams a chance to to, to get their financial house in order with respect to contracts and and what and and you know getting getting you know players back for you know expiring contracts and you know potential unrestricted free agents. I, I think it all works fine. I, I'm not looking to change it. I have no desire to change it. I'd like I think it you've to been be listening to the All-Star. NFL people talk. Well, there's not enough teams out, so you're going to be hosting a, a, a trade deadline. We're not going to be talking about anything. So good luck with that. There's still going to be some movement, Craig. There would still be movement, and and we're not just here to have a sensational Very trade little. deadline. There's too right? many teams in it. I know it would take teams out. Don't get me wrong. I'm just wondering if right at 66 percent of the season. Um, it, it's, we'll revisit this when we get there, but the balance of power changing 80% into the season. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it, even though I, you know, have enjoyed trade deadlines for a long time. I don't know how I feel about it is what I'm saying. I think it's kind of, I don't know. Is the NHL in a winning business? It's, it's in a, it's in a show business. It's in a winning business and show business. Teams want to win. And so now. When when you give teams a, a better opportunity to evaluate and say we can go for it, there's only one team that wins. But having teams go after it is good for is good for business. It's good for winning, and it's good for showmanship. Speaking of going after it, time now for KB on Ice and Inside Look at the NHL. Brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. Nineteen plus. Please play responsibly. Mr. Button, what do you got? What time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. What do you got, Mr. Button? I got four things. Blues end the losing streak, longest one in franchise history at home against the Sharks on Thursday night. Jack Eichel goes back into Buffalo Thursday night. He's going to light it up. He wants to light it up. Friday, Hall of Fame game. Penguins at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Penguins ended their losing skid. They go into Toronto and win on the road. Future Hall of Famer Sidney Crosby leading the way. Saturday, Jets, Flames in Calgary. Jets are playing really well. Taking the Jets on the road versus the Flames on Saturday. Wow. You came in hot, Mr. Button. <laughs> I'm taking the Sabres to beat Jack Eichel and shut him out. Shut him out. A weird bet. I'm taking the wild over the Kraken because I think five in a row is enough. Okay, let's 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 crack this winning streak here. Okay, it's enough. Five's enough. It's a nice story. And on Saturday, I'm taking Claude Giroux to score in his return to Philadelphia as a member of the Sens. Giroux scores. Wild crack the Kraken and the Sabers in front of a sold out crowd. Shut up 
and shut down Jack Eichel. I can't wait for the weekend. Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook. If you want to have fun like this, log on to SIA.com forward slash cool button pod. Sign up today. Canada's sportsbook is Sports Interaction 19 plus. Have fun, but please gamble responsibly. So speaking of Jack Eichel, it's been a year. Jack Eichel, Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, who's maybe not as far along as I thought he would be, and a prospect that you know more about than anyone who's probably listening right now. So is it a wash? Is it even? Will it always be a Vegas win? But the Sabres did as well as they could. And when you add in Tage Thompson for Ryan O'Reilly, who we talked about earlier, then the Sabres got rid of two disgruntled guys and 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 turned on a dime and did still pretty good, Craig. Is is pretty good good enough, or do you think they did great? Listen, I I, I think, as you mentioned, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly got jettisoned out of there because he said, <laughs> I don't like losing. And, and some people got upset about him saying, I don't like losing. Okay, that happens, you know. And, you know, and Cage Thompson at the time, nobody – Nobody really say, oh, what a what a great move this was getting Tage Thompson because they got some other players too that didn't really uh, factor in. But Tage Thompson's a big time player. Good trade. Noah Oslin is the player you're talking about. They drafted at 16. So what I would say to this is, when you're dealing uh, with with top players and you're trading them, I always looked at it as, what can we do to improve our team? How can we improve our team? Is it always the most ideal circumstances? Do you, do, do, are you trying to trade Jack Eichel? No. But at the end of it, you're trying to go, okay, this is our reality. How do we position ourselves to, to, to make a trade that helps our team? Everybody talks about whoever gets the best player wins. Well, that's great and dandy to say, and you say Jack Eichel's the best player. But it, it, when it's all said and done, the Buffalo Sabres are a better team for the moves they made today you can argue that the, the vegas gold knights are better they've never had a player like jack eichel st louis blues they were better by having ryan o'reilly so when we talk about win-win trades i would have to say that everybody's won here and and the buffalo sabers are very well positioned with the two players they acquired and 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 peyton krebs and noah oslin or you know peyton's playing now noah will play in the future that's the way i look at it so you know jack eichel you know, missed over a year of playing. Had a pretty significant uh, procedure, surgery on his neck. He's flying. He's flying. But so is Tate Thompson. So is Alex Tuck. <laughs> so if you ask the Buffalo Sabres, I just think that, hey, Sabres fans, Sabres fans, you, you love your Sabres. Your Sabres, I know it's been disappointing the last decade. Your Sabres are back. Get in the building. Get in the building. Go and watch your team. They're fun. They're exciting. And they're on the rise. Be part of it. Be part of the rise. Could that be their new slogan? Can I do marketing? Sabres fans, be on the rise. <laughs> yeah. No, be part of the rise is good because it's like join in. And, you know, I've looked at the attendances and there was a 9,000. There was a 12,000 oh. for Montreal. That's not talking proud, talking proud. Remember that song from the, the PSA of the uh, early 1980s? And they should be. And as some are listening to this, it'll be after, you know, Eichel night. But, like, this is special. Like, I think Jack's going to thrive. I think that it's going to be exciting. Um, obviously, there's been, you know, a return before, but this is on a better team. And this is a situation where things are going well, basically, for both teams. 
this is what sports are all about. You know, they shunned our team in our city and now they're coming back, you know, and, and we're going to find out what certain teams are all about. Like this is, this is fun. They'll be booing. There might be, you know, remember Lindros going back to Quebec for those of us are vintage. Like that was something, right? They had pacifiers. They had, you know, Lindros <laughs> dressed up as a baby Huey with the diapers and everything else. You know what? Now, 30 years later, nobody remembers it's gone. It's whatever. It's part of Eric's, you know, legacy. But for tonight, it's, you know, for this podcast, it's special. You don't think this is the lead? Like, this is the lead, my friend. And that's what makes sports so fun. Whatever side that you're on. Because it, the Blues won the cup. The Sabres got Thompson and Tuck. And Vegas is better now than maybe they've ever been. Like, it's the best player they've had. And they're set down the middle. It's cliche to say win, win, win. But it's kind of true. It's kind of true. And like I said, I think the Sabres are going to win tonight. <laughs> they're going to win tonight. It'll be fun. But, but yeah. Jack Eichel's motivated. Jack Eichel's motivated, right? You know, and and I'm just going to finish up with the Vegas Golden Knights here quickly. You know, it's always amazing, and you know they made a coaching change. Bruce Cassidy came in there, and he, he's a he's a top notch coach. Jim Montgomery, top notch coach, goes into goes into Boston. You know, if you're getting top notch coaches as as they move around, like, no problem with it. And you, I, I've been on this rant a few times. I don't want to hear about recycling coaches. There's no such thing as recycling good coaches. Yes, they may have to change chairs now and then, right? But when you get a good coach, you're getting a good coach. And guess what? There's 32 NHL teams in the National Hockey League. And not everyone is, is a high-level coach. Just That's the facts. And that's just the way it is. Now, goaltending. Everybody thought, oh, the biggest gold Knights, what are they going to do without goaltending? And what good teams do and good coaches do? They work with what they have and they maximize it. Good on the Vegas Golden Knights. Good on those guys. At the beginning, I said I felt a little weird. So the Bruce Boudreau, Jim Rutherford situation we dealt with. Now, there's two other situations. On the air yesterday, right as we came on the air, the Yuri Slavkovsky announcement comes down. And then I start watching the video from the Department of Player Safety. And I was disappointed. I was disappointed. I, I was waiting for five. I was waiting for... um a mini statement and I was surprised you know we had Josh Anderson on Alex Petrangelo very similar situation now Petrangelo pops up as angry and gets two okay it's kind of like attempted murder is different than manslaughter and, and and murder we have we have tears of the judicial system if you jaywalk it's different than you know pushing over you know, oranges in front of grandma at the supermarket, you know, you know, there's different degrees of crime and punishment, but this, you know, Matt lost out 10 to 12 weeks. I, we had a skate cutting incident. That's scary. Luckily they're rare. We have high sticks and, and they're, they're more plentiful than maybe they should be. And then we've got hits from behind, which are dangerous. And one day someone's not going to get up. And I blame a lot of people on this, including the PA for not having leader. If I'm hired as a president of the NHL Players Association, I'm talking to my player reps and saying, we're going to take care of this to solve part of our own safety issue. Because this doesn't sit well with me, Craig. And it's simply not good enough. I don't think five would solve anyone's problem. But it's actually, you get to a playoff game now, and I can run Hunter McDavid and knock him out of the series and get two games. That's a good, I don't want a good crime. I don't want to, I don't want a situation that says, Oh, 
that's not a deterrent. It doesn't make people think. I'm I'm disappointed and I'm a little bit I'm a little bit shocked. So I, I would say to you, don't be shocked. I, I know why you are, but I would say don't be. You, you touched on a really key aspect here, and you mentioned the NHLPA. This is collectively bargained. Okay, so like there's appeal processes, as we know, arbitration, it can go different levels to, 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 to an arbitrator. We've seen that happen. And so this is not as clear as just uh, George Peros and the Department of Player Safety have unfettered parameters to do whatever they want. You know, and, and, and I know we hear about, you know, precedent. And I know we hear about, you, you know, history and we hear about you know, what the sentencing guidelines are, so to speak. I, I, I get all that, right? But it's a big, it, it, it's an issue that the, the NHL and the NHLPA, to me, have to have to understand this is where we're at and this is what we have to be concerned about and how do we find a better system? That's where, and, and you nailed it with the NHLPA. I'm going to go another place here. You remember when Andrew Ference, a number of years ago, criticized his own teammate? I forget who it was for a hit in a game. Yeah. And he got widely criticized, right? And yeah. it was his own teammate, right? I haven't heard one player come out and say, you know, that's not a hit we can have. You know, we, we saw uh, uh, the Boston Bruins sign Mitchell Miller and misguided as it was. Players talked about how they felt about it. Where are the players talking about that hit? Where are the players talking about the safety in the game? Because I'm sorry. Like th th that's an issue. You know what? I want to hear what the players have to say. I I'm happy to hear them talk about issues that are important to them, issues that can impact them, whether they be on the ice or off the ice. But Andrew Ference was much maligned for his comment, which was 100% accurate. And to me, we need to have a progression where we say, no, that, that, that's not a hit we want in the game. That's a bad play. That's a, on your own team. Where were the Montreal Canadiens saying no? We, we, we the, 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 your eye, like that's that's not acceptable. I want to hear your voices. Don't don't hide behind. Oh yeah, he's a teammate. You're not you're not telling anybody. You're a subconscious. He's not a bad person. He, but that play was bad. And Matt Luff, you just touched about it. I can tell you what, the severity of his injury could have been a lot more severe. Oh. And you touched on a great point too. I think the Department of Player Safety would up the numbers if they were allowed to allow the rangefinder to go higher. But it's almost like the rangefinder, you know, it's got uh, certain plates on it that won't allow it to travel as quickly and high as we would like. And, you know, I told you my favorite suspension was Gary Bettman on Dale Hunter on Pierre Turgeon. That's a deterrent. That's a, that's a wake-up call. That's a don't screw around situation. And what we're trying to kind of say here is, so, you know, it's a two-gamer. You and I are saying, get the GMs, get the league, get the PA with player voices and say, do you want this? You know, I had a half fan say, basically, no, two is good. A five or 10 gamer will protect Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki in the future. So you want to put a bullseye on your own guy? Go ahead. Like, go ahead. And I do not care what anyone says. If that was Uri Slavkovsky on Connor McDavid, you cannot convince me that's a two-game suspension because I will call BS if you think that that was 
on Connor McDavid would be a two-game suspension. So that's that's the way I look at it, my friend, when you talk about, you know, crime and punishment and everything else. I'm 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 surprised it was two. I just expected five. And I am a crime and punishment guy. I would up everything. I would up everything as it relates to saying, and I know I couldn't. I'd probably get in there and they say, well, the, this is a two-gamer, Steve, and this is a one-gamer, and this is a fine. But you know what? You know what? That's just the way I look at it, Craig, as it relates to trying to help the players and the GMs help themselves. That's what I would say, you know, and maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's time for discussion, but the players need leadership. Like who's in charge on the player's side. I'd like there to be leadership in that regard to allow them to have a bigger say in protecting themselves. That's, that's all. Don't just defend the, like, remember in the olden days, uh Oh, there's a suspension. The the P the PA would put their their backing and all their lawyers their Johnny Cochran's would would all be behind him with the, the guy that committed the act and nobody's over there worried about the victim and you're sitting there going oh my god and it was a bad look it was bad it, it's just something doesn't it's not right Craig it just doesn't sit well with me it doesn't well and, and you're right and, and and the reason I I I, I bring up the commentary from the players in Boston Patrice Bergeron talking about. Uh, the signing of Mitchell Miller, they, they were very, very well-spoken. They were very empathetic to the victim in that, in, 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 in that instance, right? So what? It, 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 be empathetic. Like, understand that, that, that the victim is important in terms of what, what has transpired. And it's no different that if somebody on the other team is, is, is the victim and your teammate delivered a terrible play, right? If, if your neighbor... If your neighbor goes out on the street and runs through a stop sign and hits a kid and breaks his leg, are you, well, you know what? Like, uh, you know, it's, it's so he's my neighbor. You know, I don't want to be saying anything. You know, that kid kind of darted out from nowhere. Really? That's what you're going to say? <laughs> but that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. And the incident you're talking about, Bruce gave it to us, was uh, Andrew Ference on Dan Pye after he did something he shouldn't have done. And, you know, it's that kind of, you know, I understand on the ice, it's pack mentality. We're on the same team. Craig, I defend you. You defend me. You know, afterwards, we have to sit back and say either privately or publicly, that's not right. And for the star players, what we do to protect everyone will protect them. Because let's just say for argument's sake, that suspension to Yuri Slavkovsky was a seven gamer. And we do add in the rule book a two, a four, a five, a five in a game and a two and a 10. And a referee sits there and goes, you know what? That's a hit from behind. I'm going to call it two, but it deserves a two and a 10 because that was this close away from something. I'm going to, I'm going to use the rule book to help me the way a judge can tear a sentence and everything else. Oh, it's a five in a game because two is not hard enough and we don't have four for, and we don't have five and stay in the game. I think we just need to think. I, I, I want to go back to what a famous broadcaster taught me. He said that Carlton Fisk, had one word, remember, dressing room in hockey, clubhouse in baseball. In the clubhouse, Carlton Fisk had one word above his stall. It was think. And I grew up watching him. Ground ball deep in the hole at second. Second baseman goes, he throws it, and he throws it away. Carlton Fisk is backing up the play. He slides. He keeps the ball in play. The guy should be at second base. The next batter hits a single. Now he's at third. He would have been game over. 
They get out of the inning, and then they win the game in the bottom of the 10th. Why? Because Carlton Fisk was thinking, I got a backup. This is, I got a bad feeling here. So we were, And I thought, think. All of us don't think all the time. We make dumb decisions and say things we shouldn't have, and we're human beings, and we can apologize. But if we think and say to yourself, is this right? Is this good? In every aspect of life, everything that's going on in the world in the last five years, Craig, just think, is this the best? I'm a, I'm a best idea wins. Let's just think and come up with better solutions so we can also be better people. Well, and here's what I would say, too, about how you like, I'm just saying, like, as a suggestion of how to handle it. Leaders on the on the Montreal Canadiens, Nick Suzuki, let's just pick and I'm not. Doesn't, you're right. I'm just going to let you know what you did was completely wrong. That cannot happen in our league. That cannot happen. You, you know what? You know, you being out of the lineup is, is is significant. We don't need to lose you. But now, you know, what you did, that can't be acceptable. And just so you know, I'm telling you that. And publicly, I'm going to say the same thing. I'm not going to say you're a bad person. You go and talk to the player first and know about, like, you know, what's wrong. And then say, and let them know. And I'm, I'm going to say this publicly. And you know what? And you're going to go out there and you're going to say, hey, listen, that's not a hit that makes me very happy. I like, you know what? I need to talk to Matt Law for his representatives because that I'm responsible for it. Take responsibility in every regard. That's where I would guide, like, you know, from, from a leadership point of view, that's not, that's not going after your teammate, but it's also not hiding behind, you know, well, I got to stick up for my teammate. Sticking up for your teammate is also holding them accountable for things they do wrong. <laughs> you love you. your girls. You you love your girls. Okay. There's times you've had to tell them things that they didn't want to hear, but they needed to hear. <laughs> it's a great point. And 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 Craig, as the music comes in, that's what it's about. It's about taking a bad situation, making it better. We do live in a world, unfortunately, that a lot of people are never wrong. They're never story, and they can't look at the other side. All we're saying is let's make a bad situation better. And I love how you explained it. You have a captain and leadership going to his teammate. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to say. And we're going to make this better because it's the right thing to do. And it's going to protect you in the future from payback. And it's going to protect this dressing room and others as well. Because in the real day, we want to compete and play hard. We want to win so badly, but we don't want someone to be in a two-wheeled vehicle for the rest of their life. So um, I was going to get to something else and final thoughts about the offside challenge, but I'll save that for next time, Craig. I want to get your thoughts on that as we're wrapping things up. Yeah, well, my real wrap up here, and we'll get into other things here. The Ottawa Senators, remember how they won the summer? Well, they're not winning the season. <laughs> That's all I got on that. We can talk about the Senators before. You don't have a good enough defense to win and make the playoffs. I, I Great. Go on and add forwards. Go on and add scoring. The problem is defensive. Yeah, uh, we'll deal with offside challenges and why we have them, I guess, uh, in episode 93. In the meantime, think like Elmer the Safety Elephant says, too. Just think. That's all. See ya.